first, there's a long-term picture. What do I want my obituary to say? When I die, what do I want people to be like, she did this and she, you know, okay. What happens in between is all about the awkward middle phase of entrepreneurship. You know, after you've taken your first steps, but before you can live off your passion. Join me, Athena, as I learn from other emerging creators about the tactical and emotional methods they use to keep moving forward after the initial excitement of following your dreams meets the reality of following your dreams. Let's get into it. So today I have with me Lisa Nicole Bell, who is a producer, writer, media personality, and serial entrepreneur and host of Behind the Brilliance podcast. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. Uh, I want to get just immediately into it. What do you feel like is your core talent? Oh, probably storytelling. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I had to think of like, the thread that's run most consistently through my career and the thing that has contributed most to my success, it's probably that. And when I say storytelling, I don't just mean like writing a script, beginning, middle and end character type storytelling. I also mean like storytelling to pitch an investor, storytelling to a team to get them on board with a project, storytelling uh, around launching a project and, you know, getting first customers. Um, so yeah, that's probably the, the biggest thing that has resulted in more of my success than anything else. I think I'm a born communicator. Mm-hmm. So certainly I have a gift for it, but I've also really worked to hone and polish that talent. Yeah. So how do you cultivate something that is like an innate gift? That's a good question. Um, First, I think you have to know what your gifts are. Sometimes I see people trying to cultivate things that are not their thing. You know, you, and, and I think part of current culture has encouraged everybody to be balling out of control and on the cover of Forbes by 25. And mm-hmm. so there's this obsession with accelerating progress and success. Um, But I think there's a tremendous value in taking your time to figure out what your thing is, because much of this can only be figured out in hindsight, right? Right. When you are in it, it feels messy. It feels confusing. You don't necessarily understand how all the pieces are fitting together because you're in the picture. Um, But as time passes, you begin to have some context for it. So I think that's the first thing is like, what is your thing to begin with? Um, Mm -hmm. And that really takes some self-reflection. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do because most people don't like to sit with themselves and sit with their own thoughts. But then after that, like once you know what the thing is, you know, we're very fortunate in that we live at a time in history when information is abundant. We have an infinite number of books and podcasts and articles and courses and coaches and experts at our fingertips. So you can really go as far as you want to go in terms of, of developing your talent. And I think it's very important to form the habit of sharpening your tools. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when people have their first taste of success, they kind of get into the weeds with operating and the doing, and they forget that that you are the talent. You, You are a startup unto yourself. And so if you are not always investing in that over time, you will plateau. So um, for me, that looks like reading, you know, um, it looks like conversations with people who are 
either smarter than me generally or smart in a way that I'm not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about constantly pushing your boundaries. I think that's how you're able to refine the talent. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm one of those people, one of those like annoying people who quarantine happened and March, April, I was like, yes, <laughs> finally, I have no social distractions. I can just like really lose myself in something for hours on end because there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was born out of that once I started to reintegrate <laughs> into friendships and socializing is uh, Sabbaths. I just take Saturdays all the way off to the degree that I can. No technology. Ideally, no one's speaking to me, but people are always trying to talk to me. <laughs> Um, and I think it's one of those things that is helping to sort of sharpen the saw, if you will, where it's like, oh, I have some things to unpack. There's so much to unpack all the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. there's no time to do it unless you create that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) one thing that I have noticed about you and the content that you put out is it's past motivational. (laughs) I have, I have big issues with inspirational content in that it's kind of like addictive, but it's circular, right? Like you're doing all this motion, but there's no like actual action occurring. Um, I, I I could get into it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, but I, what I really love about behind the brilliance even is that, um, you'll take something uh, that is, we could say maybe ethereal or not quite tangible and you'll sort of try and pack it into actionable ways to apply it. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels like a skill. That is something that I'm even working on. How? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Second, um, that is uh, an incredibly astute observation on your part, um, an accurate observation on your part. Um, I, um, it's not that, it's not that there's anything wrong with motivation, right? Um, it's just that it is the fast food equivalent of brain food, Mm -hmm. um, in that it is, uh, high in calories, low in value. And, um, it's, it's challenging because unfortunately that kind of fluffy motivational stuff performs really well on yes. social media, mm-hmm. on YouTube. I mean, people love that stuff. They eat it for breakfast. Um, so it was a very specific decision. Like I, I personally don't like it because when you think about sometimes people are stuck, you know, for years and it's like, well, if you're, you know, you listening to this motivational talk every morning, you ought to be a millionaire by now. Theoretically, right? right? If if that stuff worked, then all this motivation would be motivating people into doing incredible things and breaking through barriers. So it quickly became clear to me, partially because like very early on in my career, um, I had a strong bias toward action rather than reflection. So it was like, this fluffy affirmation stuff is not useful to me. I have to be in action. And 
you know, part of it is that there's a gap between the motivation and the action that's very uncomfortable where you're like, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. awkward and you don't want to be in that space. The winners live in that space. They're in that space every day. They make it a habit to be in that space. So, um, in terms of the how it's a muscle, you know, um, I think part of it for me was like feeding myself intellectually and emotionally rigorous ideas. So, you know, it's like no shade to T.D. Jakes and Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, those kinds of people. But I was like, I need to be reading like Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. You know, I need to be reading like Sapiens. Like I need to be consuming things that really challenge me. Um, And I think from a standpoint of like, effectiveness. It's like, okay, well, how do we define empowerment? To me, empowerment is not you waking up and being hyped up to go out there and do your thing and get your nails done and get your bundles. And it's like, this is not what empowerment actually is. Empowerment is you first understanding who you are clearly, leveraging the unique advantages that you have finding what you need to move outside of your comfort zone and having the appropriate tools to do the work that you need to do outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So if we're honest, everybody has their own why, right? So, and if you, we heard this before, if you have a big enough why, the how will take care of itself. Um, But when we think about empowerment and its intended outcomes, you have to change how you think. You know, this is, this is really what the core behind the brilliance is. It's like, there is, there is a thesis behind the, for behind the brilliance. I think anyone who's listened to a lot of episodes picks up on that. They're like, okay, Lisa has a specific point of view and there is a thesis behind the curation of these guests and and all of that. Um, But I'm trying to give folks the framework in which they can then fill in their own blanks. I think the difference is that with a lot of the motivation, the motivational folks are spoon feeding you the answers. Mm -hmm. They're telling you what's, what goes in the blanks so that you can just go off and do it. I would like to trust that, you know, for yourself, because it's true in your soul, you know, you have a life purpose that you have a North, you know, and and I'm just here to say, here's how to think about the practical aspects of always moving toward your North. Um, I'm not here to tell anybody what their purpose is or to draw the lines for them. I'm just here to give them more colors to use to paint on their own canvas. And so a lot of it is just systems thinking, you know, and, and, you know, to your earlier point, it's process. It's like, how do you get there? Because when you begin to have even a modicum of success in one area of your life, start to realize that this process is the same (laughs) when you're like, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to save $10,000. I want to go on my first international trip. I want to start my first business. There's a muscle. And, and once you figure that out and you also get clear about um, the ways that you attempt to avoid anxiety and disappointment, then it's just a matter of emotional discipline. And I feel like if you can get yourself emotionally disciplined, you can do anything. You can take over the world. So yeah, the how just comes down to 
making sure that I stay in my lane also. You know, I, I would have 2 million followers and this huge empire and I'd be selling wall prints and all these mugs and stuff like that if I was just like, you know, delivering that stuff. But that's not who I am. And that's not what I want to do. And, and look, if we're honest, thinking deeply about your life, making hard choices, these are not things that are fun. These are not things that are easy. And so there's just going to be naturally a smaller number of people who are interested in that depth, who are interested in that rigor. Um, but the ones who are, are like, oh my God, like behind the brilliance is everything. Like it's giving me life. It's giving me tools that I need to level up. And to me, that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said for knowing who your audience is <laughs> uh, yes. and who you're trying to speak to. Definitely. One thing that I want to touch on is that you are very low key on social media. Which <laughs> I don't remember when exactly I discovered you or how even I found out about you, but I remember going to your Instagram and being like, Oh, thank God <laughs> I can do this without Instagram. <laughs> I was like, I can do it without Instagram. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because I guess it was Jamila when I I did her podcast. She she also brought that up. She was like, I noticed that you just kind of like are not committed to social the way some people are. And I, you know, I feel like it's kind of like you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? I think... You, it's, it's, um, and I, I tweeted this the other day, actually, I was like, you know, it's, it's less important, um, how you, how well you play the game. It's more important, which game you choose to play. Um, and maybe this is a function of age, but like I was around when my space was popping. So I remember having my top eight and my doing my HTML, my colors and like, you know, these social media platforms come and go. Um, they are controlled by other people. Once they go public, they're controlled by markets. I mean, uh, every week we see the algorithm change. Folks are upset about them adding a feature, taking a feature away, all that. And so I think, um, unfortunately, there's been this propaganda for a lot of um, startup founders, especially black women, for whatever reason, that you got to be popping on a gram. You got to be pop. You girl, you got to get to 10,000 so you can have swipe up. You got to do. And I'm like, that for, for, I'd say 75%, that is not important. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Um, paid ads, maybe. Um, building an organic audience with excellent storytelling. Okay. But obsessing over vanity metrics is a fool's errand. That is a trap. Um, and, and what you end up with is 200,000 followers and no $200 in the bank. Like it, what is that? Mm-hmm. So I just made the very specific decision that, um, first of all, the people who are supposed to be in my community will be. And, and like from a standpoint of, of content and its success, Behind the Brilliance has more than a million downloads. So like, I, I don't, to me, that is more important than having 500,000 followers on Instagram. I can't do anything with a bunch of people following me on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> I can tell them to go buy things, I guess. And mm-hmm. I can, I guess, tell them to listen to the show. Um, but like, 
you know, again, I think if I was a person who was serving up bite-sized type things all the time, maybe I would feel like that made more sense. But because behind the brilliance in and of itself, I'm not sure I've ever had a, an interview that was less than an hour. So it's not a casual kind of thing. You got to be in and, and commit because that's just the nature of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's very important that folks think deeply about that. There was a documentary recently that talked about how addictive social media is and its effects on our sleep and our mood and our nervous system and stuff like that. And so we, we have to really rethink the context of social media in terms of what it does to our identity and our self-esteem and, and how we try to justify it for business and personal branding and that kind of thing. And I think um, I just made the decision that it would be a tool that serves me. I'm not going to be a slave to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Going back to storytelling, a little bit of context here. I have a lot. I have a lot of things happening in here. I have visions. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have visions of the future that are better than what we're existing in. Yes. Um, and I feel like a lot of people do, but specifically I'm correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, y'all are right, but I'm more right. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, something that I have been uh, struggling with. All right. This is, a, I'm going to go a little bit on a, a diatribe here. So something I've been struggling with is what I have to say, I think can help a lot of people. And the way that I think about things and the way that I was raised, which for context is my parents are Jamaican I'm first generation American, and then they also joined the military. So I moved around all over the place. And this was really great for me in terms of I've never had a default, um, which means that I've always understood things are uh, my choice. Uh, I can question any tendency and say, I, I'll take this. I don't need this part, you know, which has been very, very good for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's the type of thing where it's like, okay, I'm trying to sort of package certain things and push that out. But given where we are right now, as you were saying, like with social media, it's like these ideas that I have are not bite-sized. <laughs> they are not. Um, they come from hours of silence. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I can make them more sort of palatable, but then I'm diluting it, all this other stuff. All of this is to get to, in terms of storytelling, how do you how do you interact with making something compelling without necessarily diluting what you actually need to say? Mm, that's a good question. A few things. So one is uh, clarity of intent. So I, you know, I'm all... I know people are tired of me saying this. I'm always saying interrogate your intentions, interrogate your intentions. And it sounds simple, but it's not because it's so easy to drift into doing things for not entirely pure reasons, which is fine. Doesn't mean that you can't do it. Just be honest with yourself about that because that informs how far you're willing to go to make something happen. Um, so it's like, what is my intention? Is my intention to educate, inspire, um, just make people aware of something? Because once you have clarity of intention, then you go like, okay, well, then what is the best medium for me to get this across? And maybe um, 
maybe it's not. So for example, you know, I started sprinkling solo episodes into Behind the Brilliance. The solo episodes are usually less than 45 minutes, like sometimes less than a half hour. They're just very short um, because I'm just kind of banging out these key points on a specific topic. And so that's an example of a situation where I was like, theoretically, I could stack something like that at the top or the bottom of an interview episode. But I was like, now we're getting into two hours, number one, which looks Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and these guys are doing these marathon episodes, but I just didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, was like the, the point is for this to be that digestible chunk. Like here is a concept that is important that you understand. Here are the four points that I want you to get about this. And I'm going to put this in some in a, in a format that you can get quickly. So there's that piece of it. Also, I think that this is where, you know, as a storyteller, the better you get at storytelling, the better you get at discerning how to get something across. Like some things are better as video, you know? Um, And this is, this is like, when I think about the various mediums that I've worked across, I've done short form, unscripted, digital stuff. I've done a digital docu-series. I've done long form unscripted in the form of TV. I've done long form unscripted in the form of movies. I've done uh, long form scripted movies, long form scripted TV, short form scripted I've done straight up digital storytelling in terms of like websites. I've done uh, social media. I've done podcasting and audio stuff. I've done written stuff. I've done books. I've done live events. And so again, the, the beauty is that we have all of these different platforms that we can use to get the ideas across. And I think it would be, helpful if we spent more time thinking about how to deliver something in the way that is most effective for the receiver. Mm. Because oftentimes people are doing what they think is going to be most popping (laughs) and what will get them the most likes, views, shares, and that. So I think if you are, if you are sincere about your intended outcome, and this is why I started with intention, then you're going to spend some time going, well, what is the best way for me to deliver this? Not the way that it's going to like, you know, get me the most likes, uh, not the way that's going to feed my ego even, because that's not really what it's about. Like I had this, um, this book project I did, it was a um, anthology. And Again, that was one of those things where it's like, okay, I think I understand what my intended outcome is. I understand who my audience is. How do I do this? And uh, rather than, you know, it was a book project. So I could have done the traditional, I'm about to be popping. I'm about to be on every website. I'm about to pitch all of these people and I'm about to make a gazillion posts and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I knew that was not the correct way for me to reach my audience or achieve my intended outcome. Um, So instead of doing that, I sold the books in bulk and I sold like 50,000 of them, right? Mm -hmm. Across like six or seven organizations. So my mission was accomplished. Now, did that net me a ton of followers and hype? No, but my purpose was to reach young women with specific messages. 
So I had created what I felt was the appropriate medium. Then I just needed to deliver it. So I think you really have to stay out of your own way. Um, And again, I'm not anti-hype. I'm not anti-social media. It's just that you have to use the tools in ways that serve your purpose instead of letting them drive your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting that you mentioned ego because um, you have been very subtly flexing on me this entire time, right? But you like... (laughs) (laughs) What? But you, you're, I'm like looking at your face and there's no sort of like, you know, you're not, you don't know that you're flexing. Oh my <laughs> you're goodness, simply stating so facts, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're simply stating the facts and that even more, I'm like, wow, <laughs> dang, I got to get this. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Yeah. Just something I was thinking about. <laughs> I want to get into values and value-based living. I'm very, very, very obsessed with this. Values. I, don't, I mean, what do you want to say about them? Values. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I, I've talked extensively about this. Um, I'm sure my listeners are sick of hearing me ramble about it and mention it almost every episode. <laughs> but the thing is, like, the, here's the thing. So Earl Nightingale defines success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I like that because it leaves the ideal up to you. You have to decide what that is. And um, it does not place success on a cliff, right? It's like you are progressively working toward that. And if you are in the process of that, then that is success. Not you've already done it. And so, ta-da. Um, so there's that. But the other thing where the values piece is concerned is that the, the happiest successful people I know are values-driven. Um, I, I have met people who were hyper-successful that were miserable. And that could mean that they were either famous or they were rich beyond anyone's imagination or they had a long list of accomplishments um, but there's like this, this unhappiness, you know, at their core, there is a, um, a sorrow, a disquiet in their spirit where you're like, mm, no, I don't want that. <laughs> and oftentimes we forget that when we are chasing this checklist of things we think we should have and, and our success, the external version anyway, we forget that if we get there and we trade off peace of mind and a sense of well-being and being in integrity with ourselves, then we've taken an L, no mm-hmm. matter how popping we seem to be externally. Mm-hmm. So it was like, h- how do we accomplish that? Well, it starts with values. And as you know, like we were saying earlier, these are not easy things to sort out. So I don't want to be cavalier about it and, and make it sound like, oh, you just wake up on a Saturday morning with a cup of tea, write down your values and off you go. It's not that simple. It can be messy. Um, you know, your values will change. Uh, certainly where you live, how old you are, where you are in your career, um, all those things will impact your values. But one of the things that's really important is to revisit them often, you know, with like writing down the goals and some of these vision boards and stuff, people kind of do it once and put it in a drawer, put it on the wall and they just kind of go on about their lives. But I mean, I revisit mine every week. 
Like before I sit down to do an assessment of the past week and to plan the coming week, there is a revisiting of those values because it's just that easy to forget. Life comes at us very fast. And so I feel like we need to be reminded of that. And I also feel like um, personal accountability is a very powerful hinge to have in your life. It can swing very big doors. So if you are willing to be honest with yourself about whether you lived according to those values just in the past week, then you're in a much more empowered place when you think about your choices for the coming week. You can literally set yourself up to be your own definition of successful for the week because it all comes down to those small choices. Um, Those little hinges really do swing big doors in the sense that our habits and these small choices that we're making from day to day, they add up to the outcomes that we want. So those are some of my thoughts on values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What value are you craving right now? Whoa. Connection. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, living through the pandemic and um, look, I don't live in Atlanta. So I live, I'm living through the pandemic. I know (laughs) folks in Atlanta, they apparently they don't have no pandemic down there. (laughs) They have the club, baby showers, they live in their best lives. But like, uh, there is a pandemic happening where I am. And I've been quarantining like everyone else. And distancing and masking and all the things that you do. Um, Ordinarily, I would have seen my family several times by this point in the year. I have not. Um, Even, you know, time with friends, time with new people. Um, You know, connection has always been one of my values. And so there's been a paucity of that this year. And I've had to find other ways to get that. Um, but there, there's, you know, we are, we are communal creatures. We're intended to be in communion with other people, to connect with other people, even simple things like skin hunger, like touching mm-hmm. other people. So um, that's definitely been a challenge this year. That's probably the thing that I crave most, but um, I feel fortunate to have continued to connect with smart, interesting people, either, you know, connecting with friends virtually um, or recording this most recent season of Behind the Brilliance or this upcoming season, I should say. Awesome. It's nearly 2021. Uh, everyone and her mom is claiming 2021 is her year. <laughs> Once again, as if we didn't learn. <laughs> exactly. What is going to be your focus for 2021? And or what are the strategies that you're looking to put in place? Yeah, that's a good question. Twenty twenty one is really a rocket ship year because this year, um, when when it became clear to me that the pandemic was not going to be a two week deal that it was going to be months because I mean, I think I figured this out before most people did. I mean, I remember talking to somebody in May and they were like, Oh, well, psh, we'll be out of this by 4th of July. I was like, no, we will not. I don't know what you read and what lies you're telling, but no, we will not. I, it, it was like May. And I was like, Oh, we're going to still be here at Thanksgiving. People were like, Lisa, there's no way. Like I rebuke that. There's no way it's going to, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, do you, 
but I'm going to plan that six months from now, this is still where we're going to be. And so that means that my plans have to change. So I revised my plans to go from um, presentation to preparation. It's like, okay, let's pour some more concrete. Let's get some more supplies in here for, for whatever it is that I want to build. And so this year was just a lot of that. It was also a lot of like reflection and, and honestly celebrating my growth. Because sometimes when we're in, in movement, we don't realize just how far we've come. We don't realize just how much we've grown. And so there's been a lot of that. So for 2021, I mean, I'm taking it as it comes. Because I think there is this weird thing where people think that at the stroke of midnight on December 31st, the pandemic will be over. Biden will be president. Everything will be great. We can travel the world. We'll all have money. We'll all be happy and successful. And we can do it for the gram. And I'm like, no. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, it could, not exaggerating, it could realistically be May before we are back to any semblance of normal. And that's assuming that people are brave enough to take this first iteration of the vaccine. I mean, a lot of people will not. I think the last number I saw was like 48% of people were like, I'm not taking the first one. So then we're looking at what fall, maybe winter of next year. So I'm not counting on, um, I, I'm interested in 2021 being better in the same sense that I believe every year is better than the one before, but that's because leveling up is a way of life for me. So mm-hmm. that's just what happens. We're steadily moving up and to the right. Um, but I'm not counting on 2021 being different, if that makes sense, in the yep. sense that I'm not hoping for things to magically uh, to transform in the sense that I can do all of the things I want to do. I probably won't, you know? And so mm-hmm. even when I was like, thinking through Q2, I was like, I'm just going to think about this as if we are still where we are right now, because that is a very real possibility. Um, So I'm thinking about that. And I think it would be smart for folks to think about it that way, because look, if it happens that we're able to get back to normal in May of, of next year, then great. You can just, you know, move all of those things up. It's easy to plan for that. It's harder to plan for what if I'm still stuck at home <laughs> in six right. months? Right. So I was like, let me err on the side of the hard planning. And then if everything's gravy, I can always adjust. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other big strategy for me was like bringing more of myself to everything that I'm doing professionally. Um, up until recently, there's been more of a gap in that, Um, there would be things that I was working on or things that I did that I didn't necessarily talk about publicly. So friends of mine and people who were close to me knew about them, but no one else did. So an example would be um, in July or August, uh, I acquired some land in Florida Mm -hmm. and I'm working on this land development project. Um, I can count on one hand the number of people who know that this has happened. Uh, It's just not something I've talked about, partially because um, 
a lot of the culture is very, I'm about to get this money. I'm about to do this. I'm about to launch that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a year later, we're like, where's it at, sis? We, you right. said, like, you hashtagged us to death last year. Where <laughs> is it? Let <laughs> us see it. <laughs> um, so I'm more of a like, I'm just going to do it. And then when it's done, I'll be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I did this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do appreciate that there is value in people getting to come along on the journey and people being a part of the process because um, it was, it was a friend of mine who brought it to my attention that like my approach to building things, creating things, taking things to market, um, solving problems, hiring people, all that is different and is a part of my secret sauce. So even though someone may be inspired when they see the finished product, like, wow, she did that project. That's really cool. Great. I should go do my thing. Um, There's a lot of people who want to see behind the curtain and be like, wow, this is how she got from like an idea all the way through this amazing thing, because there's so many things that you can learn um, doing that. So that's one of the things I'm going to do more of in 2021. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I definitely relate in terms of uh, just doing something and then sort of being like, oh, right. Um, I made over this, not this summer, wow, years ago in 2019, uh, <laughs> uh, I had made a couple music videos and I just Ooh. hoarded them. And then at some point I put them on my Instagram and I was like, oh, yeah, I hear, hear everyone. <laughs> yeah, the streets need that, sis. <laughs> and my friend was like, I, you talked to me about this one time in passing in July. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you needed to know at the time, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I get it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. So how do you... How, how do you plan for a new year or a new quarter... Uh, and then also, how do you do so without getting overexcited? Because I love planning. Like I love sticky notes, dry erase boards. I'm there. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't say that I make like often overly ambitious or like unrealistic goals, uh, but I could spend more time planning than actually doing. And I think, you know, I just wonder how how you go about, like, what are your actual, okay, it's time to plan. What does that even process look like for you? Yeah. Um, First of all, I get it because I'm a notebook queen myself and Mm -hmm. I can imagine and dream up the most elaborate, (laughs) best laid plans for days. Mm -hmm. Um, So look, some of this, there's two things that come from experience that you can't get from a book or imagination. One of them is the, the way projects unfold and how you can have an idea in your head for something and it can and will manifest, but the way it manifests is often different than you imagined. Um, it usually takes longer and costs more money than you anticipated, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So there's that. The second thing is your creative rhythm, right? Like um, some people have more mental white space and creativity in the morning 
um, others late at night that um, some of this is like a lifestyle design thing, because if you have like a fourth grader, then your whole jam Mm -hmm. is different than somebody who doesn't. Um, But I think I like to think about when I'm breaking down. Well, first of all, there is a 20 year picture. Like, what do I want my obituary? First, there's a long-term picture. What do I want my obituary to say? When uh-huh. I die, what do I want people to be like, she did this and she, right. you know. Yeah, okay. don't give yourself 20 years. You got more. Yeah. No, I, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so I'm working backwards. Right. So there's the obituary of like, what is the umbrella of what my life is supposed to really be about? Uh-huh. And this is, this can evolve, by the way. It's not written in stone. Um, but memento mori, we're all going to die. And so it's not morbid to think to yourself, you know, if I died suddenly, if I died at 98, you know, people will say things, hopefully, what do I want them to say? Mm-hmm. Then we're working backwards and going like, okay, 20 years from now, what would the ideal look like? According to my current self, again, that can change. But right now, what might that look like? Then I'm working backward to like five years. Like, okay, what are the things that need to happen in the next five years for me to be on track for my 20 year objective? Um, and again, the, the thing about the obituary thing is that it keeps me honest with values and intention. Because if I want to have a positive impact on the people around me, then in five years, I can't be making life hell for everybody around me, right? I have to stay on that trajectory and, and stay honest about moving in that direction. Um, and then after the five years, like, okay, what does that look like in one year? Um, what needs to happen in the next 12 months? Uh, what, and and the, the interesting thing about planning this way is that it forces you to be practical about the use of your time because um, I like to use what's called the wheel of life. If you Google wheel of life, a bunch of them will come up, but really it's just a wheel that has seven or eight different slices of your life. You got the financial, you got career, you got relationships, romance, uh, personal goals, fitness and wellness, that kind of thing. So I find that generally speaking, I can go hard pedal to the metal on two, maybe three areas at once, mm-hmm. not seven. The problem is that oftentimes when people are planning, they're like, I'm about to level up. I'm about to boss up. I'm about to eat greens and green juice every day. I'm about to walk three miles. I'm about to save $10,000 every month. I'm about, and it's like, whoa, like mm-hmm. that's a lot going on. And what we don't understand is that if any of those goals is going to require you to change a habit, that's willpower. That's brain space that you have to use up. That's energy that's required to overcome the inertia of what you've been doing before. So if you've never run a mile before and now you're promising yourself you're going to run a mile every day, realistically, you're, first of all, realistically, you're probably not. But second of all, the energy required to remember to do that, to, to overcome the inertia is going to take away from you staying up till 2 a.m. every day working on your business, right? right? So doing the will of life helps you to be much more practical about how much bandwidth you have to go after any given set of goals. Mm-hmm. And if you are planning for, say, a year, you start to realize, like, 
there's time. I don't have to do everything in January. <laughs> like right. some of these things, even though like I'm so excited about this, maybe I'm not going to start working on it till October. Like mm-hmm. it's fine. It'll still be there. It'll still be great. I'll still be excited when that happens, but like, I cannot do all of this at once. I'll be going in a bunch of different directions and not getting anything done. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really important. Then I work backwards through quarters. Um, A quarter is an interesting period of time because it's long enough that you feel like you can actually get something meaningful done, but it's short enough that when you look up at the end of a quarter, you're like, wow, I still have three more quarters of the year to go. Like, huh, this is great. And it's also a chance to reset. If you've just had a string of bad luck or you just got sick, had surgery, any of that kind of stuff, it's like, you know what? This is a new quarter. I'm going to reset. Then from the quarter, I, and and the other thing about quarters is that um, if you're a person whose life changes considerably based on seasons, like if you've got kids who are out during the summer, if you know, you're a person who likes to turn up for Libra season or what, you know, some people are into that kind of (laughs) stuff. Um, If you're a person who, you know, that stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's hard for you to focus. You know, you can design all of that so that you don't have to feel guilty about what you're choosing to do with that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we're getting down to the month. And uh, from the month, you know, at, at the end of every month, I sit down and go, what happened this past month? And what needs to happen this coming month. And that's all based on plans that are already written out. Like I realize that some people are just kind of doing this on the fly, but I feel like there is a unique power to saying, I know generally where I'm headed. I've got a compass. And so I just need to follow that. And I'm working backwards. Now something incredible could happen to you that completely changes that you come into a windfall of $2 million. You're like, well, this changes all of my plans, but if you don't, you could very easily just be drifting aimlessly, um, just kind of taking opportunities as they come and re- reacting to what's happening to you instead of responding to the opportunities that are presented. Um, so I do that by the month and then I do that by the week. You know, I sit down on Saturday or Sunday and I'm like, again, what happened this past week? Um, we're checking values, we're checking goals, and then what needs to happen in the coming week? And these things have to be mapped out according to, um, first of all, your energy levels. And second of all, your other commitments. So I'm not a person who, you know, tries to do these things pretending like I live in some type of vacuum where I don't have commitments to other people, things that I have to do and so on. Um, you know, there's a, there's a limited amount of energy that you have each day to even do things, you know, you get burnt out after a certain point and there's a diminishing return to the point where the quality of your work is not great because you're just tired. You know, you just need to recharge. And I'm not a person who's like, uh, uh-uh, it's grind season. We got to get it. You know what I'm saying? At this age, you got to work. You sleep when you did not. <laughs> no, right. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, rest and play are essential to not only being successful, but, to my definition of success, right? Not just like, Mm -hmm. well, they make me more productive. No, like they make me a human being. And so I don't even want to form the habit of I got to work 22 hours a day to be, no. When I think about my ideal life, I'm not working 22 effing hours a day. That's absurd. 
Um, and so I don't even want to pretend like I'm about to get it like Diddy, like Steve Harvey. No, I'm good on that. Actually, I want to sit and enjoy a salad. I want to savor my coffee in the morning um, and not be feeling anxious and stressed and rushed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and doing it this way also allows me to. I used to feel guilty when I wasn't working. I used to feel guilty when I wasn't being, quote unquote, productive. So, for example, if I was like on the phone with my mom for two hours, if I just went to the beach for no reason, if I just laid across my bed reading a magazine, it was like, well, you know, you should be doing. And it was like, well, what if. If connection is one of my values, if having healthy family connections is one of my goals, then two hours on the phone with my mom actually is productive because it moves me closer to those goals. That's checking something off. Right. It just doesn't feel the same way as the grind does. Mm-hmm. So this is why I think the clarity around values and goals as a mechanism for planning our time is super important. Um, so the shame went away because even something as simple as like, um, one of my favorite things to do, this is very random, is to sit in front of my fireplace and just do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just mm-hmm. be sitting there. It's like, what are you doing? Like, nothing I'm just just sitting here thinking um I think that um highly creative people uh sensitive people ambiverts introverts but we need time you know to just like we need blank space Mm -hmm. and so um I was like Lisa if you plan for it it's fine like so I give myself a lot of buffer actually um sometimes people are like okay I'm going to plan eight hours worth of work. Realistically, no one is doing eight hours of work. No. Um, if, if you're working in a regular corporate job, you might be doing three, maybe. Most of your time is like kicking with people, listening <laughs> to people talk about the kids, you know, getting on calls, people being on mute, email. You know, the actual work is actually not that much of the day especially at a, before when everybody was going to an office, you were commuting, you were going to lunch, you were coming back from lunch, you're going to the bathroom, you know, this kind of stuff. So it's like, realistically, you might be doing, if you're doing four to five hours of work a day, you are killing it. Truly. I mean, focused work. So I'm like, okay, let's say four, let's break it up into like three 90 minute chunks or four 60 minute chunks. Okay, given that, if I intend to do that five days or four days this week, then that is what, 16 hours. Okay, given how much work I have to do, what's most important? And how am I going to stack my tasks across those 16 hours, Monday through Thursday? Because the other thing that happens when people get excited is that they pretend like they're never going to have to do laundry. They never have to go pick up food. They never have to um, renew their health insurance. I mean, there's all this adulting and like I'm random telling stuff. you, life administration takes way longer than anyone told me. It's a part-time job. So it's like you also have to plan for that um, because falling behind on that makes everything else more difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean- at the le- at least it makes it less pleasurable, but you know, like if you get behind on paying your taxes, that's not going to end well. So, so you have to leave time for that. And then also you have to leave time for unanticipated developments. 
um, sometimes the day throws you a curveball, and maybe you had planned to do three hours of work that day and you only got an hour done. It's like, okay, if you've left yourself some buffer, that is not the end of the world. If you've planned every day within a minute of your waking hours, that's going to feel chaotic. So I like to leave enough time that if something runs long, if something doesn't go as I planned, I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll just move some things around. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I approach planning. And I'm not above, I feel like there's a, there's a stack of things I need to do. And, um, sometimes I find a second wind, you know, uh, a lot of times I like to stop working after like seven ish, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like nine. I'm like, I'm lit. What are we going to do? Let's do something. Yeah. <laughs> so then I'm just like, okay, let's start on tomorrow's list. Let's take a task from Saturday and move it to Thursday. Cause I'm in the mood to do it. So, um, if you have sufficient discipline, you can trust yourself to move that way and keep moving forward. And, um, this is why knowing your values and your reasons for doing things is really important. Mm-hmm. Cacao. Now it's time for the seedling round where short questions lead to tasty answers. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, how do you measure time? Ooh. Um, in terms of outcome. Hmm. What came out of that hour is usually the way I think about it. Interesting. And it's okay if the answer is nothing. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, what came out of that is I rested. What came out of that is I spent some time with myself. What came out of that is um, a realization. You know, I think those things matter just as much as processing 15 emails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What season are you in? Renewal. Renewal. Yes. Mm. What color is that? It's a gradient uh-huh. from a cobalt blue to a plum purple. Oh my. <laughs> okay. And then what is driving growth for you right now? Ooh. Uh discipline. Discipline. I I mean I know that people have really been struggling with being consistent with things during the pandemic, but I just have been disciplined. And I, the gift is that um, so much of my career has required that. Mm-hmm. It's been a situation where if I didn't work, I didn't eat. So I don't have the luxury of like, well, at least I showed up. They got to give me my money. Like, no, I have to produce things in order to uh, make a living. So. Um, the discipline of that and the rhythm of that, just being in the habit of charting my own course and being accountable to myself. Because, you know, in various parts of my life, if I don't show up and if I don't do something, nobody's going to come knock on my door. Nobody's going to reprimand me for it. I like it that way. I want to be in control. And, you know, people are annoying sometimes. So I'm like, <laughs> don't be telling me what to do. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side of that is that you have to be extremely accountable to yourself for whatever it is that you've decided that you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did want to talk a little bit about discipline, uh, but again, time constraints. Yeah. But so what do you think is how how does one develop discipline? Oh man. What are I the first like two steps? 
yeah, just practice. Mm -hmm. It's like, choose something that's important to you. Also learn about second order consequences Mm. because second order consequences are not like the consequence of the thing is the consequence of the consequence. So for example, let's say that you're like, I want to get healthier. Like that's a very vague thing. What does that mean? That you want to snatch ways that you want to climb Kilimanjaro, that you want to sleep better. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say that it's like, um, you know, I want a healthy BMI and I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, fine. Well, the first order consequence is that your genes fit better. The second order consequence might be lower blood pressure. It might be better sleep. It might be more energy. So I like to think through the second order consequences of things because it pours gasoline on your why. Like your why is already burning and now we pour gasoline on it's like, Foof, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I find that like challenging yourself, if it's like, I'm going to do a seven day challenge, I'm going to do a 14 day challenge, 30 day challenge. These kinds of things help you get into the rhythm of it because they show you how, you know, the first three days you were hype and excited and posting on your stories every day. And then the fourth day you didn't feel like it, mm-hmm. but this is what you said you were going to do. Um, most people are better at keeping promises to other people than they are at keeping them to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so this teaches you how to keep promises to yourself. There is no, in my opinion, or at least in my experience, no magic bullet for discipline. You just have to practice. And it is something though, that you get better at to the extent that you can make a promise to yourself and actually feel like you're going to keep it. Cause you're like, no, I know I'm a real one. I know I'm thorough. I'm good for it. Like I can follow through. Yeah, definitely. I would say April, I did a writing challenge uh, and it was almost transformative for me where I was like, wow, I believe myself now. Like I, I believe myself now and I found out how to move through all of the things that make me not do something. Yes. Yeah. It's a really fun exercise and process challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Cacao that ends the seedling round. I like to end on two things. What is your greatest ambition? To leave the world better than I found it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like if I do that, my life will have been more than worth the time that I spent here. I like the way you phrase that. (laughs) Um, And then what is the question of the week? The question of the week I yesterday was thinking about um, the process of transmuting anger into productive energy. And I was thinking about story in this context. Like, what are the stories that we tell ourselves about things that have happened mm-hmm. and how those stories can become bricks in the backpack that we carry through life? Um, and that we always get to revise our relationship with the events that have happened in the past. And that's one of the ways we transmute the anger into like inspiration, into clarity, that kind of thing. Um, excuse me. And some of our feelings, all of our feelings are valid. I'm a person who believes every feeling is valid. Not every action you take as a result is valid. So you're entitled to your feelings. You're not entitled to do whatever you want as a result of them. But the question was, what would you choose? 
next for yourself in the absence of this feeling? So thinking about anger, shame, embarrassment, frustration, disappointment, sadness, sorrow. Um, If we took this feeling away, like for a moment, if we could just lift this out and imagine that that wasn't there, what then would you do in response to this having happened? And in some cases it's like, well, I would just make sure that, you know, that never happened again. Or I would make sure that if I was put in that position, the next time I would choose differently. You know, we have a, a different way of thinking about it. We can kind of get out of the victimhood, um, all of the things that often keep us stuck. Mm-hmm. So that's the question. It's a longish answer, but it's like for the debilitating emotions, the emotions that are not serving you moving up into the right, what would you choose next in the absence of those emotions? Yeah. You can always go back to them, but doing the thought exercise of pulling them out for a second, it's very empowering. Yeah. I really like that. That's definitely something I'm going to try later. <laughs> um, so thank you. Where can people connect with you? Um, I am. So for, you know, bio kind of stuff, lisanicolebell.com. I have a newsletter that goes out uh, fourth Tuesday of every month in 2021. is going out twice a month turn up. So you definitely want to get that because uh, it's getting better and juicier and deeper. Um, Behindthebrilliance.com is where the, um, where the podcast is. And that is behind the brilliance, not beyond, not before people get really (laughs) creative with the prepositions. It's behind. Um, And it's also on every platform that podcast is on. So you can check that out. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, reluctantly Facebook, Uh, I'm at least Nicole Bell everywhere. So I'm very easy to find. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Yay. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm without my microphone and other things. So this last bit is slightly lower quality, but I just want to come in really quick and say, whoa, (laughs) that is without a doubt my favorite episode, but that's also because I really enjoyed speaking with Lisa and I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it. That was for me a perfect mix of tactical advice as well as, you know, some good laughs we got in there. If you liked it, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at what happens in between and Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another guest.